I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Well, good morning, beloved. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I want to welcome you who are gathered here in the worship center and then also uh, those who are uh, following, tracking, worshiping uh, online. We are in our fifth week of examining the letters of the Apostle John. Today we're looking at the final chapter of John's first letter. And in this last chapter, John wants to solidify his reader's confidence in God. Think about your confidence level right now. How is it? You feel fresh, maybe clean from that shower and everything, and you're confident in your deodorant or whatever else. (laughs) You know, uh, a few weeks ago, actually mid-October, I tested positive for COVID-19. Blah. I spent almost two weeks cooped up in the house. It totally stunk. (laughs) Flu-like symptoms, you know, pretty weak. Eventually, I felt like one of those guys that was stranded on a desert island. I was a man who had no taste, no smell, no shaving, not a lot of showering, and absolutely no confidence. I felt like a leper. Of course, nobody wanted to be around me, so I was alone with myself. Kim even moved to the other side of the house. Even the dog kept her distance. I was very paranoid, very, very paranoid about getting uh, someone else sick. Finally started to feel normal last Sunday on Halloween, and I decided to take an at-home test just to make sure, because I was coming at the end of my quarantine, and it was negative. My confidence level just boosted through my chest. Couldn't wait to get cleaned up and to be out with others, showered, shaved. On Tuesday, I got a haircut, and uh, it just was amazing how COVID affects your confidence in the many systems in your life. Confidence in self is huge. There are things that have an effect on our confidence. What people say about us have, can have a very positive or negative effect on our confidence. Also what we say, our self-talk, 
to ourselves and how we view ourselves can have a major impact on our confidence level. How about your spiritual confidence this morning? There's an illness today, I think among many Christians, it's called spiritual ADD, assurance deficit disorder. This lack of assurance produces a lack of spiritual confidence in our lives. Christians walking around feeling a lack of security or the assurance of their salvation or uh, the assurance of their prayer life or confidence in their fellowship with God and each other. Lack of confidence in those areas can have a very negative effect on faithful living. John, the apostle of fellowship with God, wrote about spiritual confidence and spiritual fellowship with God, with self, and with others. And he wants that confidence to soar within us. John, who is dearly loved by Jesus, communicates his caring words to us specifically about these subjects. And these words are a gift. And these words should remedy, be the cure, the vaccination for that lack of spiritual confidence. John wants us to know that we can have eternal fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And also in the temporal arena as well. That's why he says in 1 John 5.13, he writes this. I have written these things to you. Who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you catch John's words there? So that you may know. John is working to shore up the confidence of the followers of Jesus Christ who are reading his letters. And John uses that phrase to know frequently. As a matter of fact, in, the, in this chapter, it's... it's Use the most in the Bible to know, to know, to know. He wants us to know with certainty about the truth of our convictions within us. Eternal life is not just a spiritual destination. It's also an experiential relationship. God wants us to be assured of both, my friends. God doesn't want you and I guessing. God doesn't want us to remain in the dark about whether or not we are his. God wants confident assurance radiating from us. So much that it becomes a testimony within the fabric of our being. When John says these things, he's referring to the testimony of God. John wants us to have this testimony within us, particularly the testimony of God concerning his son and eternal life. Let's look at what John says in 1 John 5.10. He says, whoever believes in the son of God has a testimony within him. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. John has given a testimony concerning his son. And what testimony is John referring to? Well, there's one time in scripture 
where God actually gives a verbal testimony in the world, in public. He gives a verbal witness to Jesus Christ. It happened at the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. And as Jesus was being raised up out of the water, we read these words in Matthew 3, 17. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verbal testimony. God himself said that Jesus Christ was his son. It was proclaimed publicly, publicly verified so that it could be internally verified within us and become our confidence by faith. Now we have to make a choice. Either we believe God's statement about Jesus Christ and therefore the testimony about eternal life, or we don't. John gives an argument that is known as going from a lesser truth to a greater truth. And here's what he says in 1 John 5, 9. He says, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God with which he has given about his son. You see, John doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't mince words. If you reject Jesus as the Son of God, you reject the testimony about God that God says about His Son. And if you do that, you're really calling God's testimony or telling everyone that that God's a liar. You're accusing God of spiritual perjury. That's true of anyone who denies that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, we accept human testimony all the time, don't we? We live our life every day believing in the witness and testimony of people, sometimes people we don't even know. We go to the drugstore and we pick up pharmaceutical prescriptions. We really don't know if that medicine that we're picking up and taking home and consuming is the medicine that we need. I don't demand the pharmacist take out that medicine and break down his chemical compounds and say, is that the medicine I'm supposed to be taking? Or when I get on an airplane, I don't demand to see the pilot and examine his credentials or see her logbook and ask her how many hours she has flown. I just take the testimony of the airline that the pilot is qualified to fly that plane. You see, God desires that we trust his eternal testimony. He desires us to be certain and have this testimony living and breathing in us as Christians. And if you're looking for anything outside of Christ to give you an eternal verification, you'll always be riding up and down the roller coaster of uncertainty. Because you're thinking, am I good enough? Did I obey enough? Did I keep the law and commandments enough? Am I faithful enough? And you're always on this this track of uncertainty. Beloved, God does not want you to live this way in that uncertainty. God wants to instill in us a confidence that we are not only in right standing with him, but we are also his children and promised eternal life. God wants us to know it and allow it to become us and in our witness. It's a confidence of salvation. Did you know that you can know that you have eternal life? Even if you're the oldest person on earth, you're going to eventually die. As of 2021, the United States ranks number 46 in the world in the average lifespan, which is 79 years. 
For women, it's 81 years, and for men, it is 76 years. These are living, breathing years, on average, that the Lord gives us. And God wants us to spend these years with full assurance of our salvation. There are millions of people who have done everything God requires in order to be a part of his family, to go to heaven. And yet, if you ask them if they are going to heaven, they scratch their head and say, I think so. (laughs) Or I feel like I am. I hope so. And that's wavering. That's not certainty. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. And he writes, I have found a desire within myself that no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Folks, that's upside down. (laughs) We were. I guess that's the way it looks when we're upside down waiting for the other world to come. (laughs) Folks, you and I were made for another place. This world is not our home. The world cannot quench the thirst we have for the kingdom that God reigns over. You see, we have a longing for freedom, for love, for rest, for light. We have this longing in the now and this longing after we take our last breath. Assurance that we are his and assurance we can be made well, emotionally, physically, and spiritually healed totality, in a totality of that at our death. The late father, Henry Nowen, writes about a twin sister and brother who were talking to each other in the womb. The little sister said to the little brother, I believe that there's life after birth. Her brother protests and says, no, no, this is all there is, this dark and cozy place, sis. We have nothing else to do but to cling to the cord that feeds us. But the little girl insisted There must be something more than this dark place. There must be something else where there's light and freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. And then, after some silence, she said hesitantly, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe it either. But I think there's a mother. Her little brother became furious. A mother? A mother? What are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither have you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have, so let's be content. And the little sister finally said, don't you feel the pressure sometimes? It's really unpleasant, and sometimes even painful. Yes, he replied, what's so special about that? Well, the sister said... I think this pressure is there to get us ready for another place much more beautiful than this. Where we'll see our mother face to face. Don't you think that's exciting? And with that, the brother was silent. A couple weeks later, they were born. Mom was exhausted from the labor. Little sister was placed here. Little brother was placed here. And in that quiet baby voice, the sister told her brother, I told you so. I told you so. You know, we're either like the little sister or the little brother with that certainty. 
God desires that we know without a shadow of a doubt that when we pass away, we will be in God's presence. We will be face to face with our creator, the one who loves us. And I want to share with you today, it is not only possible for you to know that you have eternal life, I believe it's our duty as Christians to know that you have eternal life and to have that be a testimony within you. Because that's what John wants you to have with certainty. The testimony within you. 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Or if you do these things, you'll never stumble. You'll never receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Peter is helping us dig our feet into the assurance foundation so that we won't stumble in our testimony and spiritual walk. Next, God wants us to have confidence in our prayer. John gives us further proof for our confidence in God when he tells us that God does answer our prayers. Let's look at 1 John 5, 14 through 15. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have, we asked of him. You see, this knowledge gives us confidence and boldness when we come to God in prayer. How is your prayer life confidence or your confidence in your prayer life? You see, John talked about that way back in chapter 3 where he showed us that a good prayer life comes out of a life that glorifies God and does God's will. Prayer isn't just asking God to conform to our will. It's raising us up to conform to the will of God. God is God, I am not, and that's okay. This isn't some blank check uh, pray to God for, to double your salary and, and God will get you right on that track kind of promise. No, it's a natural result of a life lived for the Lord where our will becomes aligned with God's will and that can happen. How do you know something is, is according to the will of God? Well, that means it's consistent with God's word, which John calls God's testimony. That's why it's, it's so good to pray and to ask God to validate things with his word. That's why it's also vital to remain in God's word. Jesus modeled this best. His will was always one with the Father, and he said that, and he did that. He always did his Father's works. He said that, he did that. He always spoke what his Father wished him to say. Say. And he said it, and he carried it out. John believes that through this oneness, there's a profound intimacy that will result, making prayer a genuine unity of walks as we journey along. Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given unto you. And God desires to fill our wills and our lives with his word and his ways and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that spiritual intimacy produces a confidence to unlock a very powerful prayer life. 
You see, our confidence will grow even greater as we see God come through our earnest prayers. And when we see God answer our prayers, be it a yes, a no, or a not yet, surely that impacts our confidence. Do you keep a prayer journal and write down some of the things, the prayer requests that you have for yourself or for for others? You watch that, track it. And you'll find that your confidence will grow as you see God answering prayers. As God answers those prayers, we grow in our confidence that he hears us, which ultimately leads us, leads us into an even closer relationship with God. You see, John is trying to help us connect three things. Our confidence in his power to save us, eternal life, our prayer life, and lastly, our fellowship with God. Having confidence in our fellowship with God. This is a huge theme of his letter, fellowship with God. Do you know that God wants deep communion with you? And there's nothing. There's nothing. God has given you full access to that deep communion. We have access to him. This week in our Bible reading plan, we read from Hebrews... Let's take a look at it because it just substantiates this incredibly. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. That this high priest of, of ours understands our weaknesses, for he's faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it. You see, Old Testament writers had a different view of God entirely. To approach the Old Testament God was to risk life and limb. The throne of grace of which the writer of Hebrews speaks is, in the New Test- is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was so holy that only a high priest could approach it. And he was to do so being totally cleansed of thought, word, and deed, and physically cleansed. And he approached that with a lot of fear and trembling. And any transgression against the Ark would have fatal consequences for him. And since the ark was the representation of God, the idea that God was unapproachable was the accepted norm. But it's not so with what the Hebrew writer is saying. It's not so with the throne of grace and access we have with God. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, has already interceded on our behalf so that we can have access to God. So we can approach the throne of grace, confidently and boldly. And he made us sons and daughters of the Most High. And we can approach that confidently and find help, help in our weaknesses. You know, think about it. In a healthy relationship, kids come to their parents with confidence. If my kids are hungry, they don't come to me crawling on their hands and knees, their faces buried in the, in the carpet saying, Oh, exalted, majestic Father, please grant your humble, your humble servant, worm of the dust that I am, the high honor of a snack. No. They come to me and they say, Dad, I'm hungry. 
Like, man, you know where the pantry is. You have full access, my friend. They find that they do have access to me as a dad. Jesus called God Abba, which means daddy. Intimate relationship language. Jesus showed us that God's nature is love and that God is approachable. And when we approach God with confidence, we find our our hearts rest in quiet assurance that there is a higher power anointing of our steps, directing our thoughts and sanctioning our actions on behalf of the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes the windows of our lives are so filled with debris and fog, both outside and with inside concerns. This makes it difficult to see clearly the difficulties of the human journey through the lenses of God. You see, fellowship with God cleanses those windows, those lenses, so that our spiritual lives can be filled with clarity and confidence. Assurance about the way our steps are taken every each faithful step and where that step lands. Are you confident in your salvation? Are you confident in your prayers? Are you confident in your fellowship with God? Confidence makes all the difference, my friends. And that's what God offers you today. On this day when we remember the saints that have gone before us, when we contemplate our own mortality, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your father, your Abba, your daddy loves you. And he has made a way for you to have eternal life and made a way for you to have deep fellowship communion and has made a way for you To approach him with prayer so that your will can align with his will. And you don't need to fear. Even the most scariest thing in the world, your own mortality. You can pray to God and find peace in God and live a trusting relationship with God confidently. Let's pray. God, you walk with us, desiring deep fellowship with us. God, you don't want us to be left in the dark. Oh, it's your will for us to know these things and to allow them become us, our salvation, our prayer life, our fellowship. Deepen it within us, dear Lord. And that we may live in this world and function in this world as your beloved children with full access to your wisdom and your grace. We thank you for the help that you give to us through this dynamic relationship. And may we, your children, approach you with incredible confidence so that we may confidently live in this world as your beloved We ask this in Jesus Christ's name, amen.